This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail. Design thinking is a term that many of us have heard, but what exactly does it mean and how can financial brands benefit from this approach? Today, we're speaking with Janet Jones, a design thinker with an incredible range of experience in design, strategy, and innovation about design thinking for financial brands. Janet's experience includes 25 years of interior design, as well as working as a strategic foresight consultant and an instructor of foresight and design at OCAD. This experience led to working directly with financial brands as an innovator and the first design strategist with Scotiabank's Digital Factory to help implement a design-driven culture in the bank's digital transformation. Janet, welcome and thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Can you start us off by telling us a little bit about you and your career? Sure. Um, Thanks for having me, Melinda. So as you mentioned in your introduction, I started out as really a traditional designer in interior design and uh, mainly doing conceptual work. Um, And throughout that career, I was always really interested in, uh, in the why behind design. I was always asking a lot of questions. And the last 10 years of that career, I was fortunate enough to be able to attend a lot of workshops, conferences, and started to get really interested in something that was quite new at that point, uh, which was design thinking. And during that time, I would, uh, I would bring back a lot of the, the knowledge that I gained to the, to the firm and started to educate my coworkers about this idea of design thinking. And it started to really resonate um, after about eight years of doing traditional interior design work. I was able to move into a different area, which uh, we had a bit of a, a difficulty in giving that a title because it was really unfamiliar to everyone, but uh, we landed on design and communication strategist. And that role within the architectural firm uh, really centered on design research, design strategy, I facilitated workshops and did a lot of trend research. And all this was done without any formal education. So what I ended up doing was I wanted some, I really wanted to know the methodologies behind this. And the more I worked in this space, the more I realized that there was really more I needed to learn. So I ended up doing my Master's of Strategic Foresight and Innovation, Master of Design, at OCAD. And I was the, in the first cohort, so guinea pigs and uh, totally ambiguous. Nobody really knew what they were doing at that point, but um, it, was, it was pretty amazing. I was, my cohort was one other designer and an industrial designer, and the rest were science fiction authors, uh, mathematicians, uh, sustainable experts, uh, policy makers, and forensic physicists. So it was a pretty amazing space to be, to be working in. And that was really where I saw design thinking in action was 
seeing all of these people without a traditional ba design background, but working together to solve d problems through design. Wow, what an incredible range of backgrounds to have all together in one, in one group. It's amazing. I'd like to, if you could just give us a high level definition of design thinking, because sometimes terms like this, they're, they're very trendy and they get thrown around, but people like me only have a vague notion of what it exactly means. Well, design thinking, since it's really come into, into the fore by mainly, mainly through the work of, of IDO, has moved from being something that designers do to something that that almost anyone can do using this uh, specific methodology, which is really about designing with the customer in mind or the human that's that's going to be using your product, your service, your environment. So it's it's an iterative process to understand the people behind the design. It's something where you challenge, you want to challenge the assumptions, your own assumptions, through rethinking problems, reframing the problem, and always thinking of the customer first. So using, using a lot of empathy for what they might be going through, um, redefining problems along the way, and one of the one of the critical components is prototyping and iterating so using using the customer along along that journey to test some of your assumptions and making sure that that your your work is following along their their path of needs so when we think of financial brands, at least traditional institutions like big national banks, we're not typically thinking of design thinking. Why is it important for financial companies to start integrating this kind of thinking into their organizations? Sure, that's, that's a question that comes up a lot with, uh, with design. People are kind of surprised that the big banks are using design. They have, they have big design departments now. Well, what are, what are designers doing for them? A lot of people still think of design as being about the visual, being about style. And it's not a new idea that this idea that design, good design is good business. And now we, we have the numbers to back that claim. So there's now a, a, an investment tool that can sh that shows that companies who integrate design thinking and design into their corporate strategy can outpace their peers by as much as 228%. It's the design value index. And this number grows every year. So these are companies that we're familiar with, Apple, um, IBM, and companies similar to that. So banks have, have seen that the, the world is changing, that there are a lot of disruptions. And the bank's competition is now not other banks, really, but fintechs and smaller financial institutions and disruptors that, that can move more quickly, they're more nimble, and more risk-averse than, than the larger banks who've been operating for 180-some years. 
So they're really taking a, a look at what's making them successful and turning towards design and this idea of design thinking. So a lot of the sectors that are, that are not traditionally uh, design focused or design centered, like insurance, financial, hospital, healthcare is a huge one. Uh, they're making design core to core to their business and and how they're going to make changes to anticipate a lot of the disruption and and innovators within their within their sectors and within their field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you worked at the Digital Factory for Scotiabank, and it was started with this intent to bring this new kind of approach to the bank culture. Can you tell us about that? Sure. And when I when I talked about uh, just a moment ago that that the banks, ha- um, some of them have been operating for 180 years. Well, in the case of Scotia, uh, we always said that they they didn't pay attention to the customer for about 185 years. And, and that wasn't really through any fault of their own. They were, they were doing what everyone else had done. They were experts in finance. They knew banking. And they just assumed they knew what was best for their company. Well, Scotiabank started to realize that they were falling far behind competitors and and the other some of the other banks and they looked to um, silicon valley not just financial institutions but they looked at other organizations that were operating out of silicon valley and thought well so what makes these different what makes these organizations different how are they able to come up with new ideas new innovations so quickly and they they brought this thinking back and created an entity within Scotiabank, but still slightly outside of it, that, that would be able to move more quickly than, than within the confines of the tr- traditional bank. So Digital Factory was created in 2016, and with really just a handful of us, um, and it's grown from, so it works in communities of practice and the design community of practice was a very significant piece of that. It was really a way to be able to communicate the value of design to the larger organization. And one of our uh, mandates was to be able to communicate that in a language that they would be able to understand. So not just in the design language, but in the business language as well, which is very, very critical. The community um, grew to about 75 people, the design community, and it encompasses everyone from design strategists, design researchers, uh, behavioral designers, foresight strategists, UX designers, UI, inclusive designers, accessibility experts, and customer advocacy experts. So it's not just uh, people that are working on visual design. It's, it's really a broad idea of what design can be and do. And it's really proven successful for them. The factory has, has grown to over 450 people. Wow. In the, Tor- the Toronto office alone, 
and and there are offices in other digital factories in Latin America. So they they're really able to work work in an agile way, but still have uh, of course strong ties and work very closely with the the big B bank. Right. So at Digital Factory, you put on a conference called Design Intersect. And when we were talking about this podcast, you told me about some future experiences that you created as part of the conference, which I think is really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about the process and the the experiences that you created and how that was put on? Sure. So in this this mandate of bringing design into, into the organization, into the bank, Part of it was educating the the bank through a conference, and it was called De- uh, Design Intersect. It was an annual event, and the one that was put on in 2019, January of 2019, uh, we had the idea of showcasing how looking forward could help the bank in the present day. And... This idea of foresight kind of scares people a little bit. It's sometimes mistaken for predicting the future, and that's not at all what it's about. It's just being able to anticipate what's happening now in the world, being able to anticipate uh, what could happen and how to mitigate those events or those changes. So uh, we took one foresight project and brought to life two act- two scenarios that were that came out of this foresight research so working with a team of people ux designers foresight strategists a service designer and um, a couple of other people engineer uh, we were able to recreate those scenarios in actual environments in the conference so we this is where I used my interior design background. Background. I created two actual environments. We had an actor in one. People came in, visited the physical space, and were brought through the this new banking or alternate future banking experience with an actor. And they could they could actually feel what if banking were this in 2030. It would feel like this. And the other one was completely isolated and sort of the opposite experience where no humans were involved at all. So it was really, this was one part of the event. We had speakers from all areas of design. Uh, so it was a really interesting way to bring the bank in and, and connect them to design. We also did quite often, um, just aside from the conference, we would also. Uh, bring customers in to speak to some of the more senior executives at the bank, something that they would not have any co- any way of doing previously. So, so that helped a lot with selling the idea of design and the importance of it. That's really interesting, bringing the customers right in because, you know, we hear this a lot from our clients and that the bigger the company, the harder it is to maintain that connection with customers and small stores or companies have they're right on the front line. So they're so connected to their customers in a way that you can't be in a big organization. So that's such a, that's an excellent idea. So you also taught and you, you taught a class yes. and you, you did a student competition with TD Canada Trust. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, that was um, that was a course I taught that was fourth year students, a small studio course, and TD sponsored the class. So they wanted to. TD was a very uh, very focused on sustainable design, and the class was made up of illustrators, graphic designers, advertising, environmental design, and industrial design students. And I, I brought them through the whole process of uh, working together in diverse groups. So each group would have an industrial designer, environmental illustrator. It was a very diverse group. And they were brought through the entire process from research right through to final product. And we had a few critiques with TD, representatives from TD. And finally, the students had an opportunity to present their final concepts on the executive floor at TD Bank. And it was an amazing experience for them. They what they produced was pretty incredible. Um, the winner of that competition had uh, produced 3D. Their idea was uh, 3D printed branches, and they had actually produced some models that were 3D printed. But um, one of the things, one of the really successful parts of that course was that it showed the different disciplines, the importance of research, the importance of talking to customers and design thinking because not every design discipline had that background so in working together uh, industrial design for sure was very focused on design thinking but it helped the other disciplines really understand there are different ways of approaching de a design problem so it, it really became a, a really successful course and td was TD was pretty blown away with the results. Wow, that sounds really amazing. Yeah. So in, in terms of using design thinking to explore customer personas and segmentation, which is so commonly used in the industry, um, I know you have a wealth of experience in that area. What are some approaches that maybe are a little different that you use where you use design thinking to find out what a specific generation wants and needs? Yeah, so... Uh, I have done a lot of work with personas, and a lot of the a lot of times a persona can be pretty generic. Mm -hmm. And people are what what I've discovered through these years of interviewing and and meeting with a lot of uh, customers in their own homes is that they're all different. So just because you're a 45-year-old woman living in the suburbs doesn't mean that you're the same as a 45-year-old woman living in the sub in another suburb. Right. It's not really about that. It's not really about demographics. Right. In my view. So I started to look at it from a more behavioral standpoint. And uh, I really started to educate myself around behavioral design or behavioral economics instead of creating personas i i began to create what i called behavioral archetypes and these were what are what are these what are people feeling what's their emotional 
connection to money? How do they approach their finances? It could be somebody that's 20 years old has the exact same approach as somebody that's that's 50 and living in the country as, you know, it, it's really about their emotions towards certain aspects of life and, and their experiences and background. It's not so much these pragmatic demographic attributes that, that we most often attribute to personas. So it, it does help. There, I'm not saying that personas are not valuable. We still use personas a lot, but we always make sure that there's, there are behavioral components built into them and that we don't just assume that every customer is the same based on where they're from uh, and their psychographics or demographic situation. Right. And I think when you're, yeah, it does. And I think when you're relying Mm -hmm. so heavily on demographic information, it's a little bit of an easy way out in terms of, you know, maybe you're not going very deep because you're just leaning a little too heavily on that. And sometimes you're missing something big. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you were going to help a financial brand integrate design thinking into their cultural organization, somebody who doesn't have this approach within their organization yet, what would be the first three things that you would do? Oh, that's a great question. I guess one of the most important things is to help the key stakeholders adopt a design mindset. Um, it's really critical for the designers to understand the senior executives' or concerns and be able to explain how design principles, how design methods can help their organization overcome challenges that they might be facing. It's also important that designers don't just speak in their own design language. We need to be able to speak in in the in business terms as well that's critical the other thing i would say is that having the right team so on the team the strategy and research team at the digital factory was made up of somebody who had a uh, an mba from rotman with a hospitality background somebody else industrial designer with an mba another person behavioral designer Uh, someone else with a film background. So a really diverse background is key. Everyone brings in their own experiences and points of view and the, the richest solutions and ideas come from a really diverse pool of, of talent. So, so that's, that's a really fundamental issue. We had, we worked with content writers. We worked with, service designers, and they all came from uh, completely different backgrounds, UX designers that, that came from different backgrounds. So that's, that's really key. Value everyone's experience. Don't just, uh, don't just tick off boxes from their skills. Look at their backgrounds. And finally, I would say in terms of culture, in order to attract and retain the right and best talent, it's really important to provide them the space and the tools to be able to perform their jobs and be creative in their approach. So make sure uh, designers 
and those that are supporting the whole design process have lots of opportunities to engage their creativity. So one of the things that made design, Digital Factory successful is that we were able to show opportunities and ideas in different ways, like through Design Intersect. And that gave the leadership at the bank an, idea, an opportunity to see what was possible and to see that design could bring new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. So it just goes back to being able to promote design as uh, linking it back to a way to make good business decisions and that it's not just all about us as designers being able to design something that we think is awesome, but designing something that we think is awesome that will also promote good business and be able to help help you compete. It's interesting because we, we spoke to someone recently who's in a completely different industry, but who's also got a design background and was also talking about how important it is um, to growing business and to finding those new things or things that might disrupt you if you don't innovate around it ahead of time, right? Right. And, and another thing is um, that we were really able to link design to business outcomes and data analytics became a really important uh, partner with design. So going back to those behavioral archetypes, we were able to use data analytics to uh, to really quantify some of those more qualitative uh, approaches and and ideas that we'd had, so so things like that uh, help promote design to business as well, especially in the financial industry or sector. Absolutely. Well, you've had such an interesting career, and I think um, I mean I hope we've given a, a nice little bite size of some of your really interesting innovations and projects that you've worked on for our, for our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to go back to something Janet mentioned early on in the interview, which is the design value index, which indicates that companies that make design core to their business are outpacing competitors by more than 200%. If that's not a reason to make design more intrinsic to your business, I don't know what is. I think I'll leave it at that for today. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to Think Retail on iTunes or Spotify so you never miss an episode. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast. Next time, we discuss mergers, acquisitions, and how to create a unified brand. We hope you'll join us.